0: We are going to continue tonight in our teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. If you would please turn there in your Bible. We will conclude the second chapter and start into the third chapter. Um, Last week, Timothy, preaching through the first part of the second chapter, his entire point was to do your best. How God cares a lot about our character development. And the entire book of 2 Timothy proves this. Where 1 Timothy was kind of, the book of 1 Timothy was really getting at Timothy and his calling and his role and his purpose. The uh, second book, 2 Timothy, gets into very much, and we see Paul's care of Timothy and the character that he is and the attributes that he uh, observes and walks in and practices. And so we'll kind of jump right into that, uh, continuing on that theme to conclude the second chapter uh but now yeah i'll just read the second chapter and then read the rest later so starting in verse 22 it says so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord with a call on the lord from a pure heart have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies you know that they breed And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so the initial wisdom, the charge that Paul gives here into to Timothy is to... Flee youthful passions. And so this is something that we, as a very youthful and young church, should probably take notice of and adhere to greatly. Um, just as a child doesn't know what's best for them and wants to just eat whatever it is their desire is at in the moment, and usually it's candy or something sweet, but nonetheless a large consumption of that can make them sick. It's not good. It's not healthy. Even for us as young men and women who are still in age, um, we also don't always know what is best for us or what is wise or what it is that we should be partaking of. And so uh, Paul here highlights that it's not, to, it's not the youthful passions that we are pursuing, but rather he commands to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Um, but his charge on these passions is not to fight them, so often in Scripture, uh, we see that we are to kill sin, we are to fight sin, we are to wage war against our sin. But these youthful passions are commanded to flee. And so, so this is where so often for us as youth, as young believers, as young men and women, we think that we might have the wisdom or the power, the strength to be able to overcome our sin. But what is being communicated here is that there is some sin that must be not fought, lest easily we lose the fight and we give in to it, but sin that we must flee from. And so this is where it goes into, this is why it's youthful passion that we are to flee from. For we do, we do not have the power, the strength, and the wisdom to be able to overcome and to conquer our sin as we desire to. But nonetheless, to replace it, it's not just so much to flee from it. That's not good enough. Actually, it's to it's not to do this, but it's to do something better. And so here is an active pursuit. It's not so much to it's an active pursuit, and it's in righteousness. It's faith, love, and peace. And again, this is where God cares about each and every one of our character developments. God desires us as His people, and as His church, and as His body, to be defined by not our passions, but by righteousness, by faith, by love, and by peace. Um, in the world, it's so often to people to encourage and to celebrate and say, "Oh, I, I feel this way." so it must be right. I I think this is true, so I must act upon it. Um, I have this passion, so this must be how God wants me to be. And actually, we deny that, and we don't say that we ourselves are the verdict of truth, or truth flows from us, or because we feel or think these ways, that's how it ought to be, or that must be what is right. But rather, we let God's Word and the character of God define how we are and, and define who we are. And thus it is to be, Righteousness it's faith, it's love, it's peace. It's these attributes of God Himself as we see reflected in Christ that then He also charges us to be in active pursuit of and not only fleeing but pursuing these things. But interesting enough, it says righteous faith and love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so we see that it's not the Christian walk is not done in isolation, it's not done in an echo chamber but rather it is done as a body, as multiple members make up an entire body. Um, right now, it's a new year, and so a bunch of New Year's resolutions, so there's a big uh, energy about working out that's going on in the church, which is great and wonderful. But as you'll know, you might be working out your biceps, or you might be working out your chest, but by doing that, you're also working out other members of your body. You, like Very rarely do you actually do a workout that just does like one specific part of your body. So doing one workout, even though it might be greatly helping your bicep, it's also helping out your tricep, your shoulders, your back. And so it's actually strengthening other ones as well. And this is true for us um, as the body of believers, is that as one of us grows in righteousness and faith and love and all these things that Paul commands of Timothy and thus of us, it also blesses and benefits the person that's sitting next to you. Um, So it's not to be done in isolation. You are not the only one who benefits it in your obedience to God, but rather it blesses the body as a whole, communally, universally, Catholic. Um, And so thus we should, and and that's why the charge is here. It says, along with those, that we don't just flee by ourselves and we don't just pursue by ourselves, but we do it communally. We do it together um, in our pursuit of obedience to the Lord. It says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, um, so many of us have Noah people, and we have friends who they hate the consequences of their sins. They they recognize that the lifestyle they were living, or you know certain words they say, or behavior, or everyone knows that there's negative things about them. And thus, it's very common in the world. And this is where like uh, therapeutic and just all these gurus that people listen to to better their lives. It's not out of a pursuit of Christ, of a pure heart, truly desiring a change in nature. It's just they hate the consequences of it. So they want to make changes, but nonetheless, they don't recognize that the only way to change leper spots, to change our hearts, the the eunuch skin is through God and God alone. And so thus is from a pure heart that who called on the Lord. And thus is true for us as well. Again, the youthful passion is to think that we ourselves can if we just wake up at a certain time or if we just read the word enough or if we just memorize these scriptures or if we just don't do this and do that, we think that we ourselves can conjure up the power to overcome and flee or to fight these sins. But rather the wisdom here, as Paul says, is to call on the Lord from a pure heart. So there's a calling on the Lord for help and desperation, but also from a pure heart in that not just hating sin because what sin does, but hating sin because of what Christ has accomplished, because what our sin did to take Christ to the cross. And so from a pure heart. And Paul goes on to say, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And so we kind of see, and we see this in other places in the scripture, that the Lord's servant shouldn't be quarrelsome. We shouldn't enjoy fighting just for fighting's sake. We shouldn't be look for any kind of conflict nor stir up any kind of conflict just because we'd like the tension. But interesting enough, it goes on and says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So to correct your opponents with gentleness is assuming that God's people, the Lord's servants, will be in conflict where there is opponent, where there is someone who is against you for whatever reason. And so we see that as Christians, we're not called to be passive and that we shouldn't, that we never uh, engage in conflict, that we just avoid any kind of tension. We just You know avoid all difficult conversations we just brush it under the rug but also we aren't to be on the opposite end and that we just enjoy fighting for fighting sake and just make a big deal out of little things and what they are but rather we are to fall in this balance where um, we know what hills to die on we know when it's time to fight we know when it's time to not give up any ground but we also know when it's to just let it slide it's not worth our time it's not a good controversy. It's not anything, it's not a good problem to engage with. And so each of us, depending on our nature and our tendency, tend to fall in one or the other. You know, some people tend to be more passive and just want to avoid conflict and push away. Some people like to be more headstrong and, and push into conflict and just cause a, you know, a bigger flame than what it actually is. But rather, Paul says to um, not be coarsome, it says, but to be kind to everyone, and so to be gracious to think the best of others, even in a conflict or in a fight or conversation. It says to be able to teach. Um, As Christians, we should be able to communicate what we believe. And so it's worth asking, can you be able to explain what you believe and why you believe in such a way that the other person can understand it? And that's what it means here to teach, is that you can explain in such a way in simplicity terms that the other person can understand what it is you're saying. Because you can point to, any passage in the Bible and like tell someone, oh yeah, this is why I believe. But then for them to understand, though, you need to be able to teach it. You need to be able to elaborate on it. You need to be able to dumb it down. And so likewise, as Christians, that's something that we should strive for, is to be able to, be able to teach what it is we believe to help the other person to understand what it is we are communicating. Patiently enduring evil. Again, in conflict, it's so often for things, especially in our day and age and even people our age, to make things more emotional than what they should be or more personal. And so whether it's the person, the opponent, who is, you know, making, taking the the topic or the conversation and making it personal by insulting you or attacking your character. But likewise, as Christians, we shouldn't do that either. We shouldn't attack them for their character, their personality, but rather engage with the conflict that is at hand and the truth that is um, at the matter. So patiently enduring evil and then correcting his opponents with gentleness. And so likewise, I think we can look to Christ as a great example of this, both in how he engages his disciples, but also how he engages those who uh, stand against him. And that Christ is meek and lowly. He is the example of uh, gentleness. And everything he does, even rebuking the Pharisees, he does that gently. And so likewise, um, we should grow in that to reflect Christ and be able to handle conflict well and oppose those who stand against us faithfully. So, yeah, it's not either all. And then so, we see the, the benefit of this, the fruit of this, if we grow in this, if we pick up this skill, it says that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. We, we should rightfully understand and even have empathy for um, unbelievers. And that they are in the snare of the devil. That they are easily led astray and pulled by the devil to do whatever is is his will. And so thus, again, when we're engaging with people in conflict or with opposing views and there's friction, it's not that we are trying to beat them with a hammer over their head to try to force anything upon them or to prove that we are right and they are wrong. But rather, we must rightfully understand that Scripture here identifies that unbelievers are in the snare of the devil that they are led astray, they are caught by him. But through our testimony, as Christians we are called to be ambassadors, we are called to be faithful servants who proclaim the kingdom of God, who go forth and Jesus Christ has came to set the captive free. We now get to partake in that ministry of reconciliation in order to bring light into the darkness and to share the good news of Christ that may break people from the snare, that may change their darkness to light and bring awareness and understanding to set them free. And so God has ordained, not that he can't just miraculously miraculously do it apart from us because he can, but rather he has ordained that we get to partake in his work. And that's even the great commission to go therefore to all nations. That is what, he doesn't need us to accomplish that, but he has ordained for it to be done through our hands, through our feet, through our words. And so thus we should be, all the more excited, but also like maybe feel the weight of it. Is that like it it depends upon us in a way to to be faithful to the Lord, to all that is He has commanded of us to go forth and to proclaim this message, that we may see people breaking free out of this captivity, out of this snare. Um, And and so I grew up with cousins who did a lot of trapping animals. And uh, my social media algorithm is like to see hunters very often, who come across an animal that is um, fallen into like an icy lake, or that has gotten its uh, antlers tangled up like in a barbed wire fence or something like that. And so, what happens oftentimes is this animal doesn't know any better. And so, these hunters or these people are coming. They're trying to set. They're trying to get the animal free. But when the hunters are trying to help, it actually scares the animal and frightens the animal, and even like causes the animal to like fight back. And likewise, when we engage with unbelievers and when we proclaim truth, they don't know that like, we are trying to help them. They do not know that we are trying to set them free. And so thus they might fight back. They might bite back. They, they don't know it. It's in their nature to do so. And that's where, as we see like in John, that when Christ enters the world and he's the light of the world, there's the darkness hates the light and thus it, it repels the light. It fights against the light. And so likewise, we are um, called to help Set people free from the snare by proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And so we are to persevere in that we should write no one off. There's no one who is too far off from the grace of God. Doesn't matter how great their sin is or how old they are, at any moment someone can come to faith. So we should persevere in constantly pursuing the hearts of our co workers, of our family, of our roommates, of those strangers, even, where you just never know when God might break through. We should be patient. Again, that can happen at any time. It could be after the 10th time you shared it, the gospel with them or the first time. We should be patiently enduring with them to proclaim the truth. And likewise, we should be gentle. Um, Christianity is not a religion of the sword, and Christ condemns that. We are not to force our faith upon anyone. We are not to say convert or die, but rather through teaching, through rationalizing, through enduring evil, by being gentle, rebuke, uh, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. This, this is the means to which God has ordained for us to win souls from the darkness, set them free from the snare into um, everlasting life and into the body of believers. But we will see, and we move in chapter 3, that not all snares are equal. Not all snares are the same. And so I'll read chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of truth, just as Janus and Jambrus opposed Moses. So these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So Paul's warning is to say, but understand this, that in the last days, and so many times in Scripture this appears, the latter days, the last days, and so there's oftentimes debate as to, like, when is that referring to? Is it future? Is it now? Is it past? All these things. And so just very quickly point out in verse uh, 5, his charge is avoid such people. And so if Paul's talking about a time not referring to Timothy, how can then Timothy avoid those people? So, very simply, the, the latter days, the last days that Paul is referring to is Timothy's days and the days to come. And thus, the, it's a church age. And so, because we are still in the church age, this is still relevant to us as well. That just as relevant to Timothy to avoid such people is also relevant for us today. So, the, with that said, but understanding this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And so, it's interesting. When you think someone's giving a warning of difficulty, you think it's warning about a war or maybe... Uh, some kind of famine or disease that would break through. But what Paul is warning Timothy about in verse 2, for people will be. And we have this long list of sins. Paul's warning to Timothy is not about war fighting or breaking out a disease or any of these things. But rather, Paul is warning Timothy of sin. To be aware of sin. And so the sin, and to these specific people can be summarized by the first one that is stated, and for people be lovers of self. And so every other sin that is listed after that is a perversion that flows from the lover of self. That these people care about themselves, they prioritize themselves, so thus they, they love money and the, the power and the accessibility that money gives to them. They are proud and thinking greatly of themselves and their own strength. They are arrogant and thinking that they know it all. They are abusive and thinking that they can force other people into things and do as they wish and they've pleased, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, not thanking lore, Lord. They are unholding what they do. They are heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lover of pleasure. So again, all of this is just perversions or outworkings of the sin of loving self. And that is contrasted with when Paul says, rather than lovers of God. So as Christians, we know that we have been bought with a price. And we are called not to seek our own glory or our own name or our own kingdom. But rather, we are to love the Lord our God, our heart, soul, mind, strength, to pray to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth and in heaven, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if, if we just think about it, like, who do we watch out for the most? Who do we pray for the most? Who do we make sure is, has all the best benefits? oftentimes it's ourselves. We, we spend the most time caring for ourselves, wanting the best for ourselves, and that's what makes love your neighbor as yourself so profound. Because the reality is we don't love anyone more than our own selves. And so that's all that we want for ourselves, all that we desire, and health, and success, and prosperity, and all these things is what we should also want and desire for our neighbor. And thus, as Christians, we are called to a lifetime of charity of giving ourselves, our time, our energy, our money, our resources to help those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as those made in the image of God. So this is contrasted when lovers of God are to be sacrificial, are to die to self in order to benefit and bless other people, in contrast to these kind of people who Paul is warning about, people who are consumed with themselves and love themselves. So rather than lovers of God, but what's interesting is it says having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So Paul here isn't talking about people who wouldn't claim to be Christians. He's talking about very like the, these people would claim to be Christians. And after all, first and second Timothy and Titus are considered the pastoral letters, and they are written to the household of God. And that is our title, our working title is the healthy church. And so Paul is writing to Timothy and to the church and saying that. There are people like this amidst you, people who are claiming the banner of Christ and are using his teachings to their own benefit, to build up their own name, to build up their own wealth, to build up their own power and success. So they have the appearance of godliness and that they claim to be followers of Christ and that they try to act like it, but they deny its power. Again, a love for self means that you are self-sustaining. It means that you do not need anyone. You do not want to rely upon anyone because then you look weak. And thus, it's, that dichotomy that, that only works in the Christian worldview where as we become lesser, God becomes greater than our, the last becomes uh, first and the first becomes last. Um, so they have the appearance of godliness but denies power. And it says, avoid such people. And so this is where it's interesting because um, right before this, in the, in the chapter 2, Paul was telling us how to engage in conflict, engage with opponents, engage with people who hold opposing views and do it in a way that's faithful and loving and might even win them over and set them free from the snare. But now we have a charge to avoid such people. And so this is specifically towards false teachers, um, not just people who would be in the church but be full of themselves, but specifically people in a position of influence who people are looking to for wisdom, for guidance, for truth. And so, these kind of false teachers are ones who we are to avoid. And we see how damning their ministry is and what it is that they do. It says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. And so, in this time with the men being out of the house and working and the women being at home caring for the children and for the family they would go door to door they're knocking on doors and they would offer their truth and again they were claimed to be christians and so they would come in and offer a kind of perversion or twisting of the christian message in a way that brought them glory brought them power that built themselves up but also trapped and enticed and deceived people into their faith And if you think about it, not much has changed in the day and age that we live in today. Think about the cults that go door to door nowadays. Think about Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. And they go forth and they say, oh, we're Christians too. If you have engaged with any Mormon or Jehovah's Witnesses, they will use all the same language that we do. And they will even tell you, oh yeah, I believe the same thing that you do. And use all the same language and labor to comfort you and to assure you that we are worshiping the same God. But again, this is the The difference is that those being workspace faiths, being workspace righteousness, they are the people who are having the appearance of godliness, using all the same language, using under the same banner of Christ, but denying its power. And thus, it's just as um, Paul goes on says, just as Janus and Jamros opposed Moses, so these men um, also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualify regarding the faith. Um, Paul. So what's really interesting here is that these two names don't appear in the Old Testament. And so it's understood that um, Paul having more access to Jewish tradition and, and history, uh, this would be some that has been carried on to his day that has been lost upon ours. But Paul rightfully calls out and like condemns these, these false teachers. And likewise, um, we should as well. And recognizing that it is very dangerous if we do not avoid the people who we are called to avoid. And this is why, if you've ever met with me or Timothy or Alexander or one of your elders, we are interested in what you guys are listening to. We are interested in what books you are reading. We are interested in what music we are listening to, not because we're trying to be annoying, not because we're trying to hover over you, but theology matters. Theology matters greatly. And so even if they are orthodox in a way, but they have a certain view that is problematic eventually, it's like we desire to want to be listening and reading and aware of what it is that you guys are consuming as well. And likewise, just as here, like fathers um, to, their, to their wives, it's like we should be very, very careful about what we are letting into our systems what kind of music and who's making it and what their theology is, the podcasts that we're listening to and how much that's influencing us and in building a worldview upon which we live through, and even books that we read and whether or not how the wisdom and how informative that is to us as well. Um, because again, it's opposing people who come under the banner of Christ. And so that's, we should Again, the, the charge is we should be very, very careful about what we are consuming, what we are letting in. And thus, it's our desire as a church community to be aware of that. And if, and if something's beneficial and, and influential to you, then it's like, please share it. You know, it's, it's not like you should hide what it is you're reading or listening to, but if it's good, edifying, encouraging, then you should share it to the body so the body may benefit and gain from it. But we should also just, again, be very wary to... Uh, be fully aware of what it is that we are consuming and making a regular habit of. Um, because there, again, the, this, this banner of Christ, I, I think is, people coming under the banner of Christ is, is all too common, unfortunately, in our day and age. And you can think about different cults and different religions that are very prevalent nowadays. And when the condemnation of Paul is that, is that these people, these false teachers in his day are lovers of self, then you can oftentimes look through how it is that, they, that these, a different belief would gain salvation or get into heaven or see what the benefit is when they get to heaven. So for Mormonism, take it to the fullest extent. If you're obedient and you worship and you serve the God as they say to, you will become your own God and that you will get your own planet. And that sounds a lot like a, a lover of self. I have engaged with a lot of Muslims and more Muslims have told me that we worship the same God than ones who haven't. Well, what's the fullest extent lived out to Islam? It's like, well, when you die and you get to heaven, you get 67 virgins. That sounds like a lover of self. You think about Catholicism, the full extent worked out. What is a reward on heaven? It's like you can become your own saint upon whom which people would pray to you to assist in this life today. Again, that sounds like a lover of self. And so these false teachers, you can see the, the fullest extent of their teaching and their theology and the implications that it goes out to and why it is problematic. And so anyways, we, we should be very aware and cautious about what we are consuming and know what it is that we are listening to. But our comfort is, um, as it says in verse 9 in conclusion, But they will not get, get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, was, as was that of those two men. Um, the reality is we worship a God who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And ultimately, time proves everything. On that judgment day, at the end of, of this world, and the beginning of eternity, we will know who was false. We will know what false ideologies existed. And thus, all of that will be shown and proven as faulty. Just as these two men who opposed Moses, and they were men brought by Pharaoh to oppose Um, Moses, and leading the people out of captivity. And if you, how well you know your systematic or biblical theology, I suppose, it's like the captivity of Egypt is a symbol of the captivity of sin. And so you have these two men who tries to keep the Hebrew people, the Israelites, in captivity. And they do all that they can, and they are magicians, and they are advocating on behalf of Pharaoh to keep these people into slavery and bondage of sin. And likewise, all these cults, all these other religions, that's exactly what they are accomplishing as well. They are doing the devil's work and his will and keeping people ensnared in their sin. And even though it might take the form of godliness and might seem like they say all the right things, the reality of the day, it's wrong, it's empty, it's void. And thus is upon us as Christians to be very the critical thinkers, and to recognize what it is we are listening to, what it is we are engaging with, and what the person that we are talking to believes in order to be able to correct them, to hopefully, in God's grace, to set them free and to break them from the bondage of sin. Um, so that is our task, and that is our joy to be able to do. And we have comfort that all, it, all the schemes of the devil, as are, the days are numbered, and all those who advocate for it will appear foolish. But for those of us um, who trust in Christ to the end, we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and be uh, granted eternal life. So, pray for us. (sighs) Almighty God, I just pray, Lord, that this message and this word in your scriptures, Lord, would be a sobering reality, Oh, God that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the spirit of the air. Um, Lord, there's just such a spiritual reality in the hearts of every human being, Oh God. People who are made in your image and because of sin have fallen away and thus are live in darkness and are blinded to the truth and to the light that you are, God. And so, Lord, for those of us who have been set free, who have encountered and experienced the risen Lord, who know what it's like to live in the joy and the marvelous light and the freedom that comes in Christ of God. I pray you would just give us a heavy burden for the lost, for our family members, for our co-workers, for the stranger, oh God, and their depravity and their darkness, Lord. Please, Father, let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, God. And let us strive with fellow image bearers God and Lord in your grace let us be faithful to what it is that you ask of us and require of us Lord and Father we we do just pray for salvations God I'm sure everyone here has someone that comes to mind that they would love to see to experience and to know you and to worship you as Lord and Savior and so God we just pray that you would answer these prayers that you would answer these burdens that Lord we would see people set free from the bondage of sin and take on the bondage of righteousness, O oh God. Lord, you say your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And you offer and welcome all those to come to you who are heavy laden, O oh God. And so, Lord, I just pray that your kingdom will go forth. Lord, we have on good account and full assurance, Lord, that your word will not return void. And Lord, all of your sheep will hear your voice and will come into reconciliation and to right... Um, right living with you, oh God. So please, Father, help us to long for that day, help us to pray for that day, and help us to fight for that day, Lord. Um, So just thank you, God, for who you are. You're so good, you're so gracious, you're so merciful. Let us continue to worship you in spirit and truth. It's your holy name ask and pray all these things. Amen.